I just want to thank you for that song. And as you sang it, I begin to think about my life. Even when we're in the weeds, even when we're not walking with Christ, he is so faithful. We serve a faithful God. And thank you for the message. I don't even know why I need to give a message. I think the message was in the song. Uh, I will try to pull this up. And it's... You know, I do want to welcome all the members that are here today. I want to welcome those who are visiting today. We're so happy that you've come to worship God with us on this Sabbath day. I want to give a shout out to those that are online. Thank you for taking this morning to share with us. I want to shout out to my family who might be tuning in from all over the U.S. and Thailand. And I especially want to give a shout out to my little brother in L.A. Last time I did not recognize him and I recognized a lot of the other members in the family and the first thing I do, I get home and I get a phone call. Henry Van Dyke wrote, Gratitude is an inward feeling of kindness received. Thankfulness is a natural impulse to express the feelings. Thanksgiving is the following of that impulse. Thanksgiving Day, we saw this church follow up with the impulse by feeling, feeding families and around 50 people. I want to give a large thanks to each and one of you as members for supporting this for those who are less fortunate. It reminds me we have so much to be thankful for and Thanksgiving is a time of reflection. But sometimes we forget, don't we? We forget about the blessings. And we get what I call a little stinking thinking. And in today's world, with everything going on, it's easy to do. This virus has changed our lives. People are now experience loneliness mental health issues, losses of loved ones. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering, especially in the holiday seasons. But sometimes, sometimes, do we begin to dwell too much on the dark side of life. Instead of sunshine, we see rain. Instead of gladness, we have sadness. We concentrate on the unpleasant things in life, storing up the disappointments when we should be counting our blessings. If we count our blessings, we would find them so numerous. 
so abundance that we just might forget some of our suffering. In Lamentation 3.23, his compassion, his love is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And as you sang that song, it reminded me of that verse. He is so faithful. A couple weeks ago, it was Veterans Day, and I like to recognize and give thanks to those who have served. For many who have given their lives that we enjoy this freedom that we have today. It was June 8th. Scott Grady was in enemy territory. His F-16 plane was shot down. He ejected from the plane and the enemy within minutes went to capture him. They did not realize they had him surrounded, but they couldn't find him. For six days, laying with his face in the dirt, surviving by eating ants, chewing on grass, drinking water from his dirty, stinking, drenched socks, praying, hoping, waiting to be rescued. Let us pray. I ask today for the Holy Spirit. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my hearts be acceptable in your sight. Your words to be spoken. Hide me. Make me invisible behind the cross. Amen. Today we're going to look at Luke 17, 11 to 18. And I want you to take your weapons out. Sometimes what we do is we rely too much on man. In Luke 17, verse 11, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the mist of Samaria and Galilee. Jesus is walking through the mist. He's walking along the border of Samaria and Galilee. Jesus has a divine appointment. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's headed to the cross. But he takes a detour. Have you ever noticed our Savior? He loves to take detours. He loves to go to those who have been rejected, pushed aside by society, those that are unacceptable in man's eyes, the Samaritan, who in the eyes of the Jewish nation are considered unworthy. Jesus does nothing just to be doing. He once again is showing the disciples by example that he came for everyone. He continues to break down barriers. He continues to break down the division. He continues to break down the separation. Oh, do we not need this type of leadership in today's world? Jesus is showing that he came 
for all men. First Timothy 2.4 His desire is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Jesus is coming back to save individuals who have a relationship with him, seeking him in truth. Many of us have a misunderstanding. Some might even take comfort in this misunderstanding. They're thinking Jesus is coming back to save a church, to save a structure. That is not so. John 10, 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, that are not of this church, that is not of this conference. And I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. God has people all around the world, not only in Tallahassee, not only in Florida, yes, in Thailand, Los Angeles, Oklahoma, even in the suburbs of Georgia. That was an indirect, direct shout out to my family. Verse 12. And as Jesus entered a certain village, they met him, ten men who were leopards, who stood afar off. Jesus is approaching an unknown village. There are ten men who have leprosy. And they stood away off in the distance. Something that I think we can relate to today. We call it social distancing. Can you imagine these ten leopards? I want you to go on this journey with me. They're rejected. They're ostracized. They're unacceptable. They're outcasts of society. While this disease has caused the skin to begin to fall off. White spots all over their body. They are doomed to associate only with those with the same sickness. They're away from friends, family. There's no one, no one to soothe the pain. And there's a man walking towards them. This same man who is walking towards them, towards the ten leopards, also speaks in Matthew eleven twenty eight, And he says, come to me, all who is labor." all those who are tired and are heavy laden, all those who have the worries of this world, and I will give you rest. In verse 13, and as they lifted up their voice and said to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. See, as Jesus gets close, they cry out, Master, have mercy on us. These men were used to yelling. They were used to sounding an alarm. They were warning all to flee from their polluted, 
decaying body. If they came within 50 feet of anyone without giving notice, they would be stoned. Today, world, if people could read our thoughts when someone coughs in the line at a checkout counter, we'd probably like to distance ourselves about 50 feet, not the normal six. Then after coming from taking cover, some of us might even like to stone that person if our thoughts could take action. Ten men, they have a disease, and Jesus is walking towards them. They've heard the news of this great healer, even to those in isolation. And there was a gleam. There was a hope. We all need hope. And it sprang up in their heart. They knew if they could come in the presence, just come in next to him, next to Jesus, he might relieve them of this dreadful disease. Like the pilot that we talked about in the beginning, I would imagine they have been hoping I imagine they have been praying, waiting to be rescued from the sickness of this world. And as they get close, and as Jesus gets closer, they recognize him as master. And some of us might just call him Jesus. What chains are binding you to this world? that's keeping you from calling Jesus master in your life. What is it that you just will or not, cannot let go of? Pride, selfishness, envy, lust, addiction. We see these 10 lepers and they're crying out. They're crying out for mercy. They're crying out for love. A love that will respond to their human condition that they're in. They needed someone to care for them. And a tender-hearted, loving, compassionate way. They needed someone with kindness not judging. Sound as if they needed what we all need sometimes. We all need mercy. And verse 14, and there's so much in verse 14 to unpack here. So I'm going to have to break it down, but I'm going to read the first ver- the verse first. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. So it was they went, they were cleansed. Wow. Of all the diseases, leprosy, a skin disease, a horrible effect upon its victims, the most dreaded, contagious disease at their time in history. Like the virus that has entered U.S., it is also the most dreaded, 
contagious that we have seen in our lifetime. And Jesus sees their condition. He sees the condition that the men were in, and it wasn't best, to say the least. But there's a more deadly disease that entered this inner universe. Sin. This deadly virus entered by deception back in a garden called Eden. But you know what? I love our Savior because he gives us good news. We are not left without a cure or a hope. It was, and don't miss this, it was by love and mercy the plan of salvation has been devised. A life, not a week, a life of probation was granted to restore men back to the image of his maker. Y'all ought to be saying amen. Jesus sees us in the condition that we're in, shackled by the chains of this world, and here's the crazy thing. He does not want to isolate us. He loves us. We are his family. Would you throw your child or a loved one out of your life for making a bad choice? Would you still not love them? Do you not correct them? Jesus is speaking in Revelation 3.19, those I love, I rebuke and discipline. Are you not happy that you have a Savior that cares enough to want the best for you? We are valuable in the sight of God. He created us. You are not an accident produced by blind chance. You're his child, and God does not make junk that he just throws away. When we come to Christ and we ask forgiveness, he gave us a promise. It's in Hebrew 8.12. Hebrew 8.12. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Hallelujah. Rather than seeing our past sinfulness, don't miss this, God sees the righteousness of his son he invites us to be into an active, not passive, relationship with him. Jesus just wants to be part of our life. Let's continue in verse 14. Then he gives instruction. He tells the ten leopards to go. Can you imagine as they look at each other? Really? You want us to go? Jesus, do you not realize who we are? Do you not see our condition? But they obeyed the instruction in the condition they were in. In faith, they went. Yes, all ten of them went. Skipping down the road, I would imagine the yellow brick road. We sometimes put our condition, and don't miss this, 
on obeying instructions. We rather wait when things are just right to make the decision of obedience. We look to negotiate the instructions given, mistaking the instructions as a contract that we participate in writing up. This is not so. Verse 14 continues. Then he says, show yourself to the priests. I'm going to have to give a little sidebar here because that struck a chord in me. Show yourself to a man. See, in the Catholics' orphanage, we were taught to go to the priest also. We were taught to confess our sins, and he would forgive us. I was young then, so I just vaguely remember I was at a certain confession. There was a little man. I don't know if he was little or not. You can't see him but he was in a little box. And I gave my confession, and he gave his forgiveness. Then on the way back to the dormitory, the nun was there, and she had a ruler snapping her hands. She didn't need to speak. I just put my knuckles out. I knew the routine. This was the end of my confession to men. So if anybody is expecting a phone call from me for confession, don't stand by the phone. I will not confess to man no longer. And Jesus said, show yourself. This is the crazy part. They were with leprosy. But this was the first step of being restored in a physical sense. Shown yourself to the priest, then he would pronounce you cleanse. And therefore, you are allowed back to society, family, and friends. When I look at it in a spiritual sense, going to Jesus, our high priest, in the condition that we are in with sin... In faith, asking for forgiveness. It's the first step in a healing process. It's the first step in a relationship with Christ, our personal Savior. Hebrew 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest, Jesus. He can relate to us, even though he was sinless. He's been tempted just as you and I are. And don't miss this as we continue in verse 14. On the way... On the way, they were healed. In faith, they obeyed the instruction while still in their sickness. And by the time they got to the priest, all ten were healed. 
you're hanging out with everyone in your group and they all have a virus. It's called sin. And as you begin to walk towards your destination, salvation, heaven, in faith, you begin to be healed as you proceed in your journey. And by the time you get there, you are 100% in good health. Are you with me? See, when we come to Jesus, we are healed. We're not cured of all diseases of this world. Before you stonely, let me finish. We are cleansed and saved by his righteousness. You are not a water faucet that somebody can just turn on and off. We still have a lot of junk, a lot of stuff that we're dealing with every day. But if we follow his instructions and ask forgiveness in faith, just as these leopards left and headed to the rabbi in their sickness, our healing process also begins. We are instantly justified, cleansed, beginning the journey of sanctification, which is lifelong. Are you with me? You are not perfect. Some of people out there might think they are. As you go on the journey, by the time we get to heaven, we are healed. It is a process. And during that journey, this is what's so beautiful about it, we have Dr. Jesus protecting us in this healing process. Are you not tired of putting your faith in this world with all the trouble going on? Are you not tired of being let down time and time again? Disappointment? Realizing our leaders have no solid answer. Why would you not give Christ a shot? What do you really have to lose? I would advocate that you have everything, everything to gain. The phone rang last week at Two o'clock in the morning. I hate them calls. Do you ever get them? You know, there anybody who's calling at two, three o'clock. It's never good news. On the other end of the line, I heard a voice. Your niece. At a young age. Forty-five. died I was so thankful for the last six months for being part of her life 
She had plans. She had hope for a better future. We talked how she loved her children, how she couldn't wait to have the relationship with her grandbaby. She was now going to be able to spend quality time and be a mother to them. How she loved her extended family as dysfunctional as we are. She felt that she fit in. I was numb, taken back to say at least. Then it turned into anger. Why? A good young person with a good heart. Trying to do the right thing in a dark world. Moved away from the drug scene. Got a job. Putting her life together. And during the journey of freak accident, a car jumps over the medium on I-75. Goes over the rail and almost kills her while crashing in a building five feet from her, pinning her down. Debris banging her up. Running from a drug world and now being told to take drugs for pain. Yet, not given enough for an act addict to last a month. I asked myself, on her last night, was there more than physical pain? Was she trying to hide her scars that life has cut so deep into her? Was she running to the only comfort that she knew? Heroin, one more time. Why can I relate to those who are suffering? Searching, looking for something, anything that they can hold on to. Something that will not disappoint. Something that will not let us down. Why? Because I am my niece. I've been at the lowest of the lowest that I had to look up to even see a blade of grass. I'm no different. But then something happened in my life. Something that gave me hope. Something that I can believe in. Something I can trust. All that was taken away in my youth. I met this carpenter 
and his name is Jesus. This world offers no guarantees of tomorrow. This world is temporary. And there has to be more to life. And what are the instructions to finding this peace? Don't let people put baggage on you. Don't let man direct you what you have to do. Go to scriptures. Go to scriptures to know Jesus and see what he has to say. See, in 1 John 1, 9, he gives us the instructions. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Justified and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are covered as dirty as we are with Christ's righteousness. Amen? At that very point, we are acceptable in God's eyes. See, I don't want any more phone calls in the middle of the night about someone who is in their pain looking for relief, lost their life. We are all the same. Whether you like to admit it or not, we're all sinners. We're no difference. In Romans 3, 23, it says, For all, how many? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Don't make that mistake by keeping fixed upon feelings. That little whisper that says you've gone too far. That's the dark side. Our only hope is looking to Jesus. And this is what I find so marvelous. I find so fascinating about salvation. It's the gift given by Christ at Calvary. And there's nothing you or I can do to earn it. You cannot be good enough. And this goes against our human nature. See, we're taught all our lives we have to earn this, do this, accomplish that. But we all come with leprosy to Christ. Some with more of the disease and some with less. But we all come with sin. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, a new life has begun. That is our promise. As we move to verse 15, and one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, Returned and with a loud voice he glorified God. He prostrated his body in worship. Healing 
brought the ability for this man's life to function in society. He remembered the sickness before Christ. He remembered the disease and he just wanted to give thanks. He just wanted to show gratitude. Hasn't there been someone in your life that did something special, that changed your life, and you want him or her just to know how much they meant to you? See, I can't wait for heaven. My adopted grandfather, who took me out of that orphanage and told me about Jesus, I want him to know just how precious that gift was. Verse 16, and he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet. He was given thanks. He was a Samaritan. A non-member. An outcast. An outsider. A drug user. Someone from the wrong side of the track. Who others thought as unworthy the only one to give thanks. Where would you be today if someone did not make a difference in your life? Verse 17, so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Did I not cleanse ten? Where are the others? Did they not all have Thanksgiving dinner? Did they not all come back for seconds? Did they forget in their fullness and in their haste to thank the host? Let's be real. Jesus might have felt like he's been taken for granted. I would have. In their sickness, they needed a doctor. Then in the healing, the doctor was forgotten. They got caught up in the world and they just didn't have time to give thanks. I'm amazed how we hurt Jesus when we don't remember to give thanks for his many blessings, even in our sorrow. You remember growing up? A lot of you might. I, I don't. I didn't grow up in the church. But I'm sure you can remember where you had Bible study when you were younger and there might have been 10 in your group. They all took baptism. Everybody was excited. They were all cleansed. They all gave their heart to Christ. Look around. Where are the other nine? Has the joys of this world been taken over by careers, by studies, business, the hustle, the bustle of this life? Has it just gotten too busy, too caught up in this world's pleasures to come back, to give thanks? That's what I love about scriptures. He always has an answer. See, this was nothing new to Jesus. And Isaiah 53, 3, it says, 
he is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. The Savior has the same emotions as we have. Can you remember when you were rejected by someone you loved? He can relate to us in a personal way in our everyday life. And I know some will disagree with that statement. And they would say, Jesus doesn't have emotions. And they'll show you verses. But maybe I don't understand my Bible. In John 11.35, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Verse 18, were there not any found who returned to give thanks to God except this foreigner, a Samaritan, rejected by the church, Rejected by the Jewish elite. Rejected by society. Out of ten, a foreigner, a Samaritan. Which implies the others were Jews, Jewish, his own people. Ouch. They were too busy. They had too many other interests. To come back. It would interfere with their priorities in this life. John eleven thirteen. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. You remember the story in the beginning of Scott O'Grady shot down flying his F sixteen. Special forces were dispatched. Naval fleets of 40 planes, all for one soldier, who was found and was proud to be an American, giving thanks to those who have searched and found him. His life had another chance, and he did not forget. It was because of those men he saw his wife again, his son, his family, his friends. And he went back. He knew his life belonged to those who found him. And he gave thanks. Christ is doing the same for you and I. He has sent all of heaven just for one who is searching. Now is the time. Will you not go back? Will you not give thanks? Will you not just ask, Lord, help me. Help me to know you. Let us be like this Samaritan. Let us be like these, this soldier during this holiday season to give thanks for family, give thanks for friends, 
our children, our church, our brothers, our sisters, our Savior who died for us. Take time. Take time to tell someone you love them. For just like my niece, we might not have tomorrow. Tomorrow might be too late to tell someone you love them and to give thanks.